Today we're going to be starting our new Sunday school on how to study the Bible. And um, I hope you have paper and pen and your Bible open as we seek to grow in this discipline um, that all of us as Christians are called to. And I'm excited to get to talk about this class. We're going to be looking at kind of a big picture overview over the next several weeks. Uh, We're going to be looking at um, how to actually interpret the Bible, what inductive Bible study is, and and even talking through biblical genres. What what are the types of literature we find in our Bible, and how does that inform the way we study? So, uh, but for today specifically, we're going to talk about really focusing on why we don't study the Bible briefly, and then really look at Scripture together to say why must we study the Bible. So let's pray together, and then we'll dive in. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you so much. We thank you for this opportunity that you've given us, this blessing, this privilege to study your word, to know you as you've revealed yourself. Lord, help us not to forget or to sideline this amazing blessing and help us to be diligent students. There's so much blessing that comes from knowing our creator. I pray that you would give us hearts of fervency, hearts of excitement, hearts of diligence, hearts that are submitted and humble in your sight. We ask for your help this morning as we seek to grow in our understanding, grow in our conviction of your word, your scriptures that are true and authoritative in our life today. We love you, Lord, and pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. So why we don't study the Bible? Why are some reasons, maybe, that we struggle with digging into God's word? We feel that this task sometimes can be daunting, And we tend to think um, some excuses that I've observed or read or seen or even experienced myself is, I really just need something quick and easy. I need something like a devotional, something that's easier, something that's really concise and clear so that I don't have to spend hours on end studying scripture. Or sometimes we think, I don't know how to study the Bible. It's it's pretty complicated. Um, And so I just kind of veer away from that. It seems too overwhelming. It's something really just pastors or Bible scholars and theologians, like, I just leave that to them. That's really their deal on on studying scripture. Sometimes we think, I just don't have time. Uh, There's so many other things, even important things. And so we tend to not prioritize studying God's word because it does take effort. It takes a large chunk of time. Sometimes we think the Bible just kind of seems boring. Um, It seems like a bunch of ancient records of names and places that I really don't know, I don't have a reference for, and so we tend to just think, ah, that's too difficult, so I'm just going to read these maybe really clean, easy passages and just memorize a few verses here and there to to make by. Sometimes we think, um, well, I don't feel smart enough to study the Bible. I can learn from others. There's plenty of sermons on YouTube, other study materials that really feed me the truths of Scripture that I need, so I'll just learn from other people rather than seeking to learn on my own. Other excuses would just be, really, I'm just not motivated. There's times where we just don't feel motivated or um, see the necessity, really, to study God's word for ourselves. One phrase that I I read in a a Bible study book of learning how to study scriptures that was really impactful and helpful for my thinking is that the tragedy of many Christians today is that too many Christians are under the word. They'll take time to find a good church and hear preaching, but they aren't in the word. They're willing to be under good teaching. They want to hear God's word clearly explained, but they they don't make the extra effort to say, I actually need to be in it for myself. I need to see what God has said and what he calls me to know and understand. 
So this morning, what we want to do, before we dive into getting some of these tools together on, on how we actually study Scripture, we want to sit first under the Scriptures and say, why? Why is it necessary that we must study God's Word for ourselves? Why do we need to grow in being a student of God's Word? First, it's important for us to know that it is necessary to know God. Why study the Bible? It is necessary to know God Himself. John 5, 39 and 40 Jesus is speaking, and he says to the Pharisees, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, and it is they that bear witness about me, yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. Later, Jesus' prayer in John 17, 3, he would say, and this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. We study God's word because it is necessary that we actually know personally, have a real relationship with a living God. We must know God. A common verse that um, is well known and is a powerful verse is in Jeremiah 9, 23, 24. The Lord is speaking, and he says, Thus says the Lord, Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. But... Let him who boasts, boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. And the Lord says, for in these things I delight, declares the Lord. The Lord delights to make himself known, and he has revealed himself in his word for us to know him, to delight in him, and God desires to make himself known, and he wants to be understood. So it is incumbent upon us, if we want to know God personally, there is more than just the general revelation that we see out in creation, but he has revealed himself specifically in his word. I think it's important for us to recognize that God's word, the scriptures, is God's revelation about himself. And when we look in the scriptures, we are seeking to behold God's glory and his majesty. Another reason why I study the Bible, we need to study the Bible. It's necessary that we study the Bible because it's incumbent upon us as a duty. It is necessary that we study the scriptures because it is a necessary duty. And we see this pattern throughout God's dealing with his people throughout scripture. All the way back in Deuteronomy 6, the great Shema starts this passage saying, Hear, O Israel, this is a public message for all of Israel to hear. And he says, The Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. This passage has a lot of implications to it, but this is a public message For all of Israel to hear, not just the rich, not just the intellectual, but all of Israel to hear. And he's saying that this will be stored up in your heart. And what does that look like? He's saying these words shall be on your heart and you shall teach them. There needs to be a a sort of saturation with God's commands, his scriptures, so that it's able to actually be taught from your own lips. Teaching is a high standard because there has to be a, a, a soaking in this truth that you know intellectually, emotionally, and even practically in your life, these truths have changed the way you live. And to be able to teach others, and, and it's not just teaching anybody, but teaching children. It's, it's able for children to be understood. These words of God are precious, and they're to be taught to the next generation throughout everyday life. 
God's words were addressed to everyone, and they were expected to be known, to be taught, and applied in their daily lives. But we also see this at the beginning of the book of Joshua. Entering the promised land, God was speaking to Joshua in Joshua 1, 7 through 8. And he says, Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. In verse 8, he continues, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do, he says that phrase again, according to all that is written. Studying is the task of carefully knowing and applying God's word in everyday life. We are to be careful to do all that is written and meditate on it day and night. This is God's relationship with his people. When he speaks to his people, his words are this important. And we ought to observe that and see how that applies in our lives too. Again, we see in the New Testament, Jesus, the ascended Christ, is speaking to his disciples at the end of Matthew. And in this great commission, he says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them, he said, to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. It's interesting, he's not just saying teach them information, but he actually wants them to know how to fish for themselves. Teach them to observe all, to, to follow, to keep, to obey these commands. That's the calling of the Great Commission, is that we actually know how to be diligent students and know God's commands, to know his word. Lastly, I'll mention Colossians 3.16. Paul would be writing to the church at Colossae, and he says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. As a disciple of Jesus Christ, you must know God's word, and it must dwell in you richly if you were to live in a way that is a blessing and a glorifying to God. That's our call. It is necessary it's a necessary duty, but not only a duty, but we want to talk about the, the actual implications of what comes from studying God's word. We know that we're called to know God, that it's, it's a duty as well, but we also, it's necessary for us to grow. And scripture talks about this, and there's probably at least three passages I really want to kind of dig into a little bit. So if you have your Bibles, flip with me first to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2. And in this passage... Um, Peter is talking to the exiles in the dispersion in the Asia area and uh, Asia Minor area, kind of Turkey area, and he's actually wanting to instruct them about how to live through persecution. And he's wanting to give them encouragement in this time of trial. And in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2, he writes, Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation. Firstly, let's notice the attitude that Peter points out to these exiles. He says uh, that they are to be newborn infants or like newborn infants. And he uses this simile, and it's very vivid in my mind, having uh, recently had a baby and now like a really fat baby in my house. Um, he's been well fed. He actually has this sort of newborn mentality where they just know I'm hungry and I'm crying out because I know what I need. I need milk. I need to know and I cry out for milk. But he also not just has an attitude, but he has an appetite. There's this yearning there. He says this longing for 
And this is, this is what it should look like for us when we desire God's word. There ought to be an internal heart desire that says, I crave God's word. I long for it. I yearn for it. And the Psalms speak to this as well. Psalm 19, uh, 9 and 10 says, The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter than honey and the dripping cones of honey on my lips. This is a desire, a heart attitude we ought to have as Christians for God's word. But not only an attitude and an appetite, uh, but he also speaks to an aim, that we are to, by it, grow up. It's interesting here that he doesn't say just we are to know more information. And I think it's important to distinguish you can know information and not grow, but you can't grow and not have information. Does that make sense? Like you actually, to grow up, I actually do need to know stuff, but growing is more than just mere information. It's not just this intellectual ascent about information about who God is and his characteristics and a theological framework, but it's actually the application of these truths that causes growth. So we need knowledge, we need to study God's word, but it's in the application that we actually grow up. And what he says here is grow up into salvation. So what what is this um, word here that he's using, into salvation? Well, if you look earlier in uh, chapter 1, verse 23, just glance up. He says, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. So he's already made the point just a couple of verses before. This isn't a growing up so that you will be uh, justified before God. You need to know information so that you can actually receive Um, justification and a right standing with the holy God, but rather he's speaking to sanctification. He's saying you have been born again through the living and abiding word that stays with us, but we need to feed on the spiritual milk of the word. This milk is what nourishes us as Christians, and it helps us and transforms us, as Paul talks about in Romans 12, through the renewing of our minds, so that we prove what is acceptable and perfect in God's sight. The Word of God is not only the source that starts our lives as a Christian, but it's the source that sustains and supplies what is needed for growth. So this this growing, though, is not just growing in any direction with any sort of aim, but it's actually a necessary ingredient. Scripture is the study of it. It's necessary to grow to maturity. Specifically, we are to grow to maturity. And another passage, if you'll look with me, is in Hebrews If you flip over to the book of Hebrews, chapter 5, verses 11 through 14. Hebrews chapter 5, verses 11 through 14. This passage, rather than a uh, complimentary instruction that Peter gives um, to encourage, this is more of a rebuke, more of a, a negative connotation in this text. And listen with me or watch along um, in, your, in your Bibles with me. Hebrews chapter 5, uh, verse, starting in verse 11. The author writes, about this we have much to say. And here he's referring to the teaching that he had just talked about, about the priesthood of Jesus Christ. And he says, and it is hard to explain since you have become, he says, dull of hearing. There's actually a, 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 a dullness, a lack of skill, a lack of hearing. And he says, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a child. 
Then in verse 14 it says, but solid food is for the mature. For those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. First, we need to notice what this uh, statement is of dull of hearing. There's actually a lazy learner mentality here that he's pointing out in these Christians. You're actually not being diligent. You're being lackadaisical. You're slow to listen, slow to learn. And he says, by this time, you should actually have been teachers, but you need to be taught again. And what he's pointing out here, basically saying, you should be in college, but you're back in kindergarten. What's the deal? Why are you still back here based on, he says, by this time? So there's actually an expectation that over time, this is something you should be doing diligently throughout your life. And he says that for the mature, there is solid food. And he says, uh, this powers of discernment are, he says, trained by constant practice. Trained by constant practice. There was a quote from uh, the book titled, Living by the Book, which is a Bible study um, manual that really helps uh, speak to a lot of the inductive Bible study we'll talk through in this class. And he says, the mark of spiritual maturity is not how much you understand, but it's how much you use. It's how much you use. And he says that here out of this verse, because trained by constant practice, the reason that you are growing in maturity is not through just, again, information, but it's the use of scripture in your life. Do you actually live differently because of these truths? In scripture, the opposite of ignorance is not knowledge, but obedience. It's obedience to God's word. And if I could just park on this important topic of maturity for just a minute, this is really the aim and the call of a church body as a whole. Ephesians 4 um, speaks to this. In Ephesians 4, 11 through 14, Paul would write and he would say, and he gave the apostles and the prophets and the evangelists and the shepherds and the teachers, he says, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And he describes this, he says, for building up the body of Christ until we attain the unity of faith and of knowledge of the Son of God, he says, to mature manhood, to the measure of stature of the fullness of Christ. We are to grow in maturity and to grow in Christ's likeness is to grow in maturity. That's the aim of the spiritual gifts that God's given to the church is that we not just be blessed and encouraged, but we actually experience growth in Christ-like godliness. And he tells why this is so important in the next verse, Ephesians 4.14. He says, so that for this purpose, we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning and by craftiness and deceitful schemes. If you want to be guarded against the, the deceitful schemes and the false teaching that's prevalent in our society, you need to be a diligent student of the word. You need to know what God has actually said and not take it secondhand from other teachers, but getting your nose in the book will equip you to grow into maturity, to grow in Christ's likeness, so you can actually defend yourself against false teaching. Paul would reiterate this to the church at Colossae as well. Chapter 1, verse 25 and following, he says, of, he's saying, I became a minister according to the stewardship of God that was given to me. And he says, this is the goal of that ministership. He says, to make the word of God fully known, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now is revealed to not just ministers, not to those in authority, but to his saints. This is revealed to his saints. And he says, to them, the saints, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of glory of this mystery, 
which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Paul continues in verse 28, he says, Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom. Why? Why are you doing this, Paul? Why are you laboring to teach with all wisdom about the scriptures? He says, that we may present everyone mature in Christ. That's the goal of ministry in the church body, is that we actually are growing in Christ's likeness together. But the necessary ingredient over and over again in these passages is not just getting actions right, but it's actually living in submission and knowing God's word. That's what we're called to as a church body, is to grow in Christ's likeness according to what God has called us to, according to his word. That means we must be diligent students of God's word. It is God's grace to his people that he has revealed himself through the scriptures. It is only by knowing and following God's word that God's people grow to be mature in Christ. Third passage, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. Flip over to 2 Timothy. Passage we're well familiar with, but that speaks to this idea of growing to maturity. 2 Timothy is a letter written by the Apostle Paul, and it's actually um, what we know from history is the last, it seems like, the last letter that Paul actually writes to um, his disciple Timothy. And there is so much packed into this letter about the authority, the essential nature of God's revelation about himself. And to be guarded, to guard this good deposit that's been entrusted to him. And over and over to pass it on to the next generation, to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. There's scripture all throughout emphasized in 2 Timothy. But Paul writes here in 2 Timothy 3.16 to say, All scripture is breathed out by God. All scripture. All scripture is literally God's inspiration. It's, it's breathed out, it says, by God. It's, it's like this, God's words are being spoken, and then these men wrote it down, and it is God's actual word. God's revelation is to be believed. We believe that God's communicated his word through spirit-controlled men so that the scriptures are without error or contradiction and are authoritative in all they teach. That means God's word is inspired, it is inerrant, I mean, without error, and that it is authoritative. John 17, 17, uh, Jesus would say in his high priestly prayer, he says, sanctify them, he's speaking about his children, he says, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. There's an emphasis here that we ought to be transformed and trained by scripture because scripture is God's word. But he also says scripture is breathed out by God and all scripture is profitable, he says. There's actually benefit to it. And he speaks to this idea of growing to maturity, but he adds an emphasis of not just growing to maturity, but growing to, I would call, mature living. Growing to mature living. And he gives these examples here. He says, the profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and training in righteousness. First, he would talk about doctrine or teaching. He says this is meant to instruct our thinking. That's what God's word is meant to do. What you believe will determine how you behave. But secondly, he says reproof or rebuke. This is a tool for calling out sin and by showing what sin is according to God's word. If we are to grow in our ability to, to reproof or rebuke or to even be rebuked by scripture, we must be in God's word. 
If you're confronting sin in somebody else and you just come because you have a personal offense, I can tell you that's not going to go well. But what helps other believers that grow in Christ's likeness is when you say, I love this person, I love this believer, and I actually want them to look like Christ, and so I show them God's word and let God's spirit use his word to transform and change them. Also, we're supposed to use God's word. It's profitable for, he says, correction. This is more about straightening, or a pure, it has a purifying effect. It's more of the retrieving the wanderer mentality. If somebody's off about something, Scripture is actually going to steer that in the right direction to say, you know what, that's not the way. Maybe it's talking about not even external actions, but just motivations of the heart. Like, I'm doing maybe some right actions, but my heart's just not in the right place. And Scripture, when we study it and we, we, we are under it and in it ourselves, what happens is we actually grow in correction of understanding how we're supposed to live in a way that's pleasing in God's sight, even at the heart level. But it also helps us correct others. So there's this personal benefit and this corporate benefit to being in God's word. And fourthly, he mentions training in righteousness. This is the idea of how to live in a way that is pleasing to our Heavenly Father. We're trained by Scripture. Ephesians 6 talks about taking on and putting on um, the armor of God. And specifically in verse 17, he says, Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. We saw just last week in Luke chapter 4, and it's repeated again in Matthew chapter 4, of the temptation of Christ. And every time he responded to temptation... He said, it is written. Also, it is written. He says, it is written a third time. The, the point and the emphasis when you see the repeated marks and phrases in that passage is he's using God's word to fight against temptation. So if we're to stand against the wiles of the devil, against the schemes, we must grow and be trained by God's word. And he says, that the man of God may be complete here in 2 Timothy. That's the goal, the aim, that we're to be complete or um, fully brought about to maturity. And he doesn't stop there. It's not just this aim of I study God's word until I get to maturity and then I'm good. I'm fine. I got all the tools I need. I know enough about God's word that it's just up to me at that point. But he says completeness is meaning to be applied. He says equipped for every good work. And Ephesians talks about that we're, Paul would say that um, for by grace you've been saved through faith, right? And it's not of ourselves, it's a gift of God. And in verse 10 he says that we're actually to be um, equipped to do, he doesn't say equipped in that verse, but he says that we're to be, um, uh, I'm blanking on it, but I know that it's in there, Ephesians 2, 10, he's saying that we're supposed to be called to these works that God has prepared beforehand, that we would walk in them, okay? There's these good works that God has planned, and if you want to be growing in godliness so that you can actually walk out and walk in obedience to God, there's a mature living that's supposed to continually go, so there's not this finish line of, well, I've, I've reached this mature mark as a Christian, so I know what I need to, but I'm actually supposed to continue to live in a mature way that is looking like Christ, that's pleasing to Christ. So not only is studying God's words necessary to know God, to obey God, and to grow in Christ's likeness, but it is also necessary, next we would say, for guidance and wisdom. And scripture talks about this a lot in the Psalms and Proverbs. It's necessary for guidance and wisdom. Psalm 19.7, the law of the Lord is perfect. It's reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple, Scripture says. If we want to grow in wisdom, we must study God's word. 
Psalm 119 is all about a love and an admiration and a desire to keep God's word. Psalm 119, 130 says, the unfolding of your words gives light. It imparts understanding to the simple. Psalm 119, 104 and 105 says, through your precepts, I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. And then in verse 105, he says famously, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. God's word is meant to be applied in everyday living. And that means if you are struggling with knowing what decision should I make, but you never look to God's word to say, God, help me to understand what your calling is for my life, how to prioritize what you say I should prioritize so that I know what to do next, so I know the direction I should walk, so that I have wisdom in applying your truth to my life. Also in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. Rather, in all your ways, acknowledge him. Know how his word applies, and he will make straight your path. This is the blessing and the benefit of being immersed in God's word, to sinking your heart and your mind into scripture so that you will grow in Christ's likeness, and you'll know more and more how to trust him. Even when you don't know the exact decision, you can grow in confidence and say, my God is faithful, he's trustworthy and true, and I have no doubts that he will sustain me through this trial, through this period, through this stage of life. We need to study God's word. It's necessary for guidance and for wisdom. Also, we need to study God's word because it's necessary for delighting in the Lord. Again, Psalms speak to this most powerfully. Psalm, the first psalm, in verse 2, the psalmist writes, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Psalm 40, verse 8, he writes, I delight to do your will. O oh my God, your law is within my heart. Psalm 111, verse 2, Great are the works of the Lord, He says, studied by all who delight in them. If you want to get one verse that should be compelling to you to dig into God's word for yourself, Psalm 111, verse 2. Great are the works of the Lord, studied by all who delight in them. I think one of the most convicting things that we ought to meditate on is, do I delight in God's word? If I do, this will be the result. I will study it. Because when you're excited about something, when you want to know who God is as he's revealed himself, you will be a diligent student of his word. And if that delight's not there, don't, don't switch to depression and say, woe is me, I don't know what's wrong with me. But go to the Lord in prayer and then get into his book and you'll see that he will speak to you and he's the only one that can change your heart to grow in this way. Lastly, I'll mention Psalm 119, verses 15 and 16. Psalmist write, I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will, medit- I will delight in your statutes, and I will not forget your word. Scripture over and over again emphasizes this idea of meditation, of study, and it's all tied to this aspect of delight. There's actually a yearning, longing, craving desire that says, I love my God and I want to know his words. I want to know what he says. One of the helpful um, statements from um, history that's come up that stuck with me through my years is the chief end of man. The chief end of man is to glorify God 
and enjoy him forever. That is our aim as creatures created in God's image, to glorify him and enjoy him forever. So how this morning can we fold this up neatly maybe into a summary statement? Why is it necessary for us to study God's word? Well, I would say, as a summary statement of all these things, it's necessary for us to study God's word because it is our duty and delight to know God. It's our duty and delight to know God and, as a result, to grow into mature living guided by God's wisdom. I'll say it again. It's necessary for us to study Scripture because in Scripture it says it's a duty and a delight to know who God is. And then from there to grow into mature living guided by God's wisdom. I was reminded this week in studying and preparing of uh, a modern hymn, a current um, artist, City of Light. They wrote a song, I Want to Know You More. And I wanted to read a couple of those lyrics for us. They write, Your beauty and glory are endless, Lord. They say, Oh Jesus, I must know you more. I want to know you, Jesus, my Lord, the King of the heavens, the King of my soul. I trade my treasures and all my rewards. Jesus, to know you, and then know you more. That ought to be our heart attitude, our focus as we come to God's word, is to know Jesus Christ. That's our aim in studying scripture. And as we behold the glory of God, as he's revealed himself in his word, friends, we will be changed, as scripture says, from one degree of glory to another. We will become more like what we worship we will become more like our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you are excited about this study and that you um, will, even this week, dig into God's word for yourself. That you won't feel like, man, I need all these tips and tricks. What you need is a heart attitude. And if your heart is in the right place and your nose is in the book, God's word will do its work. It's living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. So let God do the work in your heart and come ready and eager to grow as a student to say, I actually need to know more information, but I need it to be applied in my life. And friends, if I can just appeal to you, application is difficult. My flesh fights against it just as much as yours. And learning and being disciplined to grow in the skill of not just knowing information, but being transformed by it is something that we can do together. It's something that we can encourage one another in. And so I encourage you to come back next week as we look deeper into understanding inductive Bible study. What does it look like to be a diligent student of God's word and how to apply it in our lives personally? So we'll be going over that over the next several weeks. I hope you've been encouraged this morning and challenged at the same time to love and delight in God's word and to diligently seek to be a good student of who God is and to live in a way that's pleasing in his sight. With that, you're dismissed. And please join us back in here at 1030 for corporate worship.